Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the northeastern part of the United States. I've done several podcasts from this location. I'm, I'm plugging my son back into uh, university, so we've been staying up in this kind of rural, mountainous area, absolutely enjoying it. However, there have been some huge challenges that have been taking place in Asia while we've been here. I've been getting phone calls from our partners in China, uh, basically sharing with me about the the persecution that's been taking place. Um, I spent some time last week with Pastor Shen, uh, who is the pastor for the China Gospel Fellowship. If you haven't ever heard of the China Gospel Fellowship, it's it by itself, that one church is considered to be one of the largest denominations, Christian Protestant denominations in the world. So by himself, he started one of the largest Christian Protestant organizations in the world. Not a lot of people have heard about him. He doesn't really care about that. He doesn't have his own Facebook page. He doesn't have a website. You can't go to China Gospel Fellowship and look up their church on a website. It, it, it doesn't exist. It's, it's not there. Um, but as I was spending time with him, he gave me a letter. And I'm going to just read the letter. The letter comes from a pastor that many people might have heard about on the news. Um, his name is Pastor Gene. Uh, he was the pastor of the Zion Church. The Zion Church was basically uh, the largest church in Beijing, the largest um, uh, fellowship in Beijing uh, up until they were closed down. And, and basic, if, if you've ever heard of the Shouwang Church, the Shouwang Church was the largest in Beijing before they were shut down. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, but Zion Church made headlines um, uh, several months ago when they were being shut down by the government. It's called the Zion Church. You can look that up. You can Google it. Zion Church. I know a lot of people don't necessarily watch what's taking place inside of China. They might hear tidbits about what's taking place in China and kind of put it all into one big clump of China. And I get that, right? If you don't live in China, it's not a part of your daily life. You might hear in passing, but you don't really remember names. You don't remember places, you know, unless those places are Shanghai or Beijing. Most people remember those two, but outside of that. And I, so I, 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 I get it. I understand. But this is a, this is a pretty heartfelt letter. Uh, this is the English version of the letter that Pastor Gene wrote. And he says, Dear fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, I am Ezra Jean, senior pastor of Beijing Zion Church. I became a Christian in 1989 and began serving the church in the same year. This marks the 30th anniversary of my ministry in the church. As many of you already know, uh, Beijing Zion Church was shut down forcibly by the government on September 9th, 2018. At the same time, my personal life was also greatly affected. My daughter, Grace has graduated from the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, and received a master's at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. She currently has applied and received an offer from Washington and Lee Law School. 
She has originally planned to return back to the United States in August this month for further education. However, the border security informed her that she was not allowed to leave the country for the crime of having the risk of harming the country abroad, country being China. Last year, due to the increasing pressure from the domestic environment, my wife and two sons have left China to study in the United States. In order to support my children's education, I need to sell my house in Beijing. However, I was also informed that my house has been frozen. At the time, I have attempted to go through all legal processes. They met all dead ends. I feel uneasy and angry by my disregard of law and just by this disregard of law and justice. This is not the only matter of my personal experience, but also I worry for the future of my country. I specifically ask you to pray for me and my family and to pray for the rule of law and the justice in our country. May God keep us able to learn the patience and restraint in the midst of the hardships. And may God open the way for us to lift administrative restrictions as soon as possible and lead a path for daughter to be able to go abroad and complete her studies. May God bless everyone and God bless China. Pastor Ezra Jean, Brother in Christ, 2019. So this letter was was sent out by him. I heard kind of the same thing echoed by Pastor Shen. Uh, Pastor Shen, his daughter has been going to university inside of the U.S. and he's been experiencing the same kind of problems. What has happened is is the police have realized, and they've they've known this for a while, but that the best way to persecute, and you should know this as well. I mean, if somebody wants to torture you for Christ. If somebody wants to uh, 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 do something to you to get you to, to deny Christ, maybe that's a better way of putting it. There's a lot of things that they could probably do and you would not deny Christ. And maybe you're the kind of Christian that would not even think about it. But let it impact your family. Let it impact your children. I often say that if somebody was going to come up and rob me, rob my house, rob my car... Dude, take it. I mean, if you put a gun in my face and you want to take my wallet, you want to take my car, you want to take my belongings, you want to take whatever it is, you want to rob me, take it. But you touch my family and you're going to get a different reaction. And I think that's the way many of us think. I mean, I, I, there's, a, there's a story and we, 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 we put this out there in one of our first children books that we did. Uh, when, if you haven't seen our children's books, we have um, a, a series of children's books. We've been working on 10 of them. They're being released every few months over a period of a couple years. And the very first one that we focused on was a missionary that really, her story really impacted me. And her story was, was one that I feel goes to the heart of this initiative that we want to announce on this podcast. This is an important podcast for us. Uh, it, 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 here, I'm going to be declaring an initiative that we are starting this year. Uh, I don't want to take up too much time, but this story of a missionary in China, I found really powerful. She felt called to go and preach in Tibet, but she didn't want to go. Uh, and I tell the story about this in our children's book. She ended up going and she was able to plant a church. She met someone on her first trip that had uh, leprosy. She prayed for them. They were healed. 
spoiler alert for our children's book. So if you want to read the book to your children and you want to be on this edge of your seat, uh, waiting to see how that turns out, that's, that's the story. And what we don't share in that is that her children were hurt. They were pained that their mother, because what we don't share in that story was that when she was in prison, when this missionary was in prison for, she ended up, she did go to prison. She did serve some time in prison for preaching the gospel. And when she did, um, when they put her in jail, they, they, they um, brought her children to the prison. And the children were in front of her, her son and her daughter, and they were crying in anguish. Mom, please come home. We miss you, mom. I mean, this was traumatic for these children to see their mother behind bars in prison as a lawbreaker, as a criminal. And then the authorities told her, all you have to do is deny Christ. Deny Christ. And we'll let you go. You can go home, be with your family, be the mother you're supposed to be. Not here in prison. Abandon this religious foolishness. Abandon this superstitious nonsense. Go be with your family. Go be with your children. They love you. They want to be with you. It pained her. She cried. But she did not deny Christ. She did not deny Christ. And her children were pulled away by guards, kicking and screaming. And that left a scar on them long into their adult years. To when, she, when this lady got out of prison, her children rejected her. They didn't want anything to do with her. They had already been told by, by the, the authorities that their mom was sick in the head and wanted nothing to do with them. She cared more about her superstition than she did her own children. That story sticks with me because that is a sacrifice that goes beyond the idea of being beaten, bruised, cut, slashed, killed. When your children go through that, you as a parent suffer and part of you dies as well when you see your children suffering in that way. And so we continue to see that with Pastor Gene talking about his daughter not allowed to leave China. Don't know if the wife and two children will be able to return back to China because of his crime. And what was his crime? Preaching the gospel. That is considered to be superstition. And superstition, I mean, if it's not real, you gotta, you, even if I give it to you that it's not real, the gospel story is not real, would you throw me in prison? For saying that Goldilocks and the three bears really happened? Would you throw me in prison if I told you that Thomas the train was real? And I began to go around sharing the stories from the corners of the streets. Would you, would you take away my children if I told you that Winnie the Pooh could really talk? See, when you, when you look at it, when they tried to paint the gospel as foolishness, as superstition, as fairy tale stories, then if you take real fairy tale stories and compare the two, 
one sounds ridiculous that you would be punished for speaking about, and the other one, in China's mind, is logical. To beat you, punish you, imprison you, take you away from your family, torture your children, and kill you all seems to be rational behavior for those that refuse to release what they think is fairy tales. And yet, they say that the gospel message is dangerous for society. Dangerous in what way? Yeah, they teach some really bad ideas of loving people that hate you, praying for those that beat you, feeding those that cannot feed themselves, protecting those that cannot protect themselves, loving without condition, never causing violence upon others as Jesus did, and then, if so required, giving your life for those that hate you. Definitely sounds like dangerous propaganda for any society. And we are seeing this in China with the different churches that their pastors are having their children threatened on a regular basis. We saw this with Brother Yun. For those of you that don't know, Brother Yun's children suffer just the same as Brother Yun in many ways. The same as Brother Yun. I mean, because they were they were younger. They didn't know what was going on. At least Brother Yun had a choice. His children suffered because of what Brother Yun chose. That is why we have decided to start a new initiative this year that we are calling the Back to Jerusalem Martyr Scholarship Fund. This is a scholarship that we want to start giving to children. And we've been doing this for a while, but we've never called it a scholarship. We've just done it out of, out of who we are. It's a part of our DNA, and it's the best way that we can support those that have been uh, persecuted for the sake of the gospel. So we have now, and, and we've been doing this for a while. I, I, I mentioned Brother Yun. You know, with Brother Yun's son, Isaac. We helped sponsor him as he went through Bible school. When he traveled uh, to other nations to study the Bible, we invested in his life so that, uh, and and it was a reason. The reason was because his, you know, his father had been persecuted and was not able to really help him financially in the same way. So we, we stood behind Brother Yun and their family and we raised support so that we could send um, Isaac to Bible school. And today, as a result, we see that Brother Yun's son, Isaac, now runs an international church in Frankfurt. We raised funding for his daughter to go to nursing school and supported her. And as a result... She's now working in a closed nation as a missionary, a back-to-Jerusalem missionary. Uh, One of my close friends who is a pastor, his son went to South Korea to study missions, and we supported that effort. Today, he is supporting his working together with his father in their network in Anhui province. We have a, a pastor who's a very close friend of mine living in China, Today, I can't even contact him because he is on the run from the police and has his phone shut off. His daughter went through medical school. We sponsored her her entire time going through medical school. And today, she's one of the top um, medical doctors at a clinic that is run by B2J. So 
we have been doing this for a while, but now we want to actually do it officially for more than just a couple pastors. The, the persecution in China is increasing. Just got a phone call yesterday morning from some of our church leaders that said that they have now had to go offline. I will not be able to talk to them uh, until I get back to China. I don't know if or when I will be able to talk to them. I don't know what happened. I only know that they've had to go offline. We had an entire uh, class of uh, students that were supposed to go to a Back to Jerusalem training school. And we had to cancel all of their tickets, all of their travel. We lost all of that money for that entire group. I can't even say the number of them because the number itself might identify them. I can't say where they were flying to because the destination might identify them in this podcast. But I can tell you that all of their uh, travel had been arranged for them to attend this school this back to Jerusalem training school so that after they graduate from the school, then they would be able to go and serve on the field. Now that training has been canceled. It was canceled just yesterday and I wasn't given a reason why because the reason could not be communicated through the channels in which I communicate because of security. And the people that I rely on to get these jobs done have now been taken offline for the first time. May I, may I say that? For the first time, and I've worked with these individuals for 20 years, and I've always had contact with them in one way or the other. Sure, we've had to switch phone numbers. Sure, we've had to switch ways in which we communicate. And over the years, things have gotten easier. But this, this is the very first time ever that I've no longer been able to contact our, pers- our personnel or our people on the ground inside of China. They're completely offline. How long? I don't know. When will I see them? I don't know. For what reason? Not sure. So we see the number of people being persecuted inside of China increasing. And it's not just my imagination. You know, it's not just because it's hitting us and, and, and not someone else. They, they often say, do you know what the difference is between a depression and, um, uh, <laughs> well, it'd be good to know the word that I was going to use before I give you the different definitions. Um, but when things hit you personally, recession, why did I forget that word? Um, the difference between a depression and a recession, uh, there's, there's a politician. I, I want to say it was Reagan. I don't know who, but they say, do you know what the difference is between a recession and a depression recession? is when unemployment hits your neighbor. Depression is when it hits you. And that's kind of with persecution as well. It's one thing to talk about persecution that you've heard about. It's another thing to report about and talk about persecution that you are experiencing. In 2000, and so the, the, the numbers, I think, show that it's not just me saying that we're seeing an increase of, of persecution in China. The numbers, the data speaks for itself. In 2017, we saw that 3,700 roughly Christians were arrested in China. 3,700, not a small number, small number for China, but not a small number, were, were specifically arrested for being Christian inside of China. Last year, 2018, jumped over 27 times more, 2,700% more 
with over 100,000 people arrested in 2018, not really knowing how many, but we know that it was more than 100,000. That's quite the increase from 3,700 to 100,000. This year, August 2019, we've already passed that. So we've, we've seen now that that increase has, has come even more. And with all the people that are arrested, the pastors that are being arrested, the Christian leaders that are being arrested, we believe that one of the best ways to support them is to support their families and their children that have also suffered for the gospel. And that's why we are launching the Back to Jerusalem Martyr Scholarship Fund. This is a fund that I'm hoping that you will, as a listener, will pray about and, and think about coming online and partnering together with us to provide, you know, my oldest is in school right now. It would not have been possible had his university not given him such amazing scholarships. Um, his tuition is around 61000 a year. There's no way that we'd be able to afford that. But um, he got basically a full ride scholarship from his university and plus we get uh, government grants as well that help pay for his schooling and university. So as a parent, I know that feeling, that that uh, anvil that's taken off the neck, that pressure that is released when you f- find out that your children are going to be able to go to a good school and it's and you don't have to find the money to pay for it because you don't have it. That's the situation inside of China. Many of these pastors are not able to get jobs. They're not able to uh, save money. And even if they do, like we see with Pastor Gene, his house has been frozen. The reason why he needs to sell his house is to pay for some of the fines. One of the fines that he has is that the government has ordered him to pay 170000 U.S. dollars. As a fine, 170,000 U.S. dollars over a million renminbi. How many people listening to this podcast have 170,000 U.S. dollars in your bank account that you could pay uh, fines to the government for reason of preaching the gospel or running a church? Add on to that, that fine of 170,000 U.S. dollars, exactly where is he supposed to pay for the schooling, the housing, the food, and the travel for his daughter. This is one of the reasons why Back to Jerusalem is starting the Back to Jerusalem Martyr Scholarship. We're going to put a link of this up online. It will be uh, a part of our donation breakdown so that if you want to go and give specifically for this purpose, you can do that. Many of our gatekeepers that are listening to this, if you're donating every month, I can tell you that we are going to always try to meet the needs of those pastors in their churches. And when you give to the uh, Back to Jerusalem Gatekeepers Fund every single month, part of that will be and has already been used to help pastors and to send their children to schools. It's a part of a, a Back to Jerusalem Martyr Scholarship Fund that we never labeled, but we did anyway. I, I just mentioned a couple examples of children that we already paid to, to go through college. And we are, you know, there's a couple examples that you see on the news on a regular basis, and those are really good. Uh, 
examples like the Shouwang Church in Beijing. I mentioned the Zion Church with Pastor Jean. Uh, the Shouwang Church in Beijing was on the news quite a bit in 2016 because uh, China was on this trajectory of getting becoming more open, more free. More churches were being bold, putting crosses on their church. Well, the Shouwang Church was told that um, they had not been registered and they needed to shut down. So the Shouwang Church put in for the registration and they were denied the registration. So it's this catch-22. You can't have a church unless you register. You try to register and you're rejected. Therefore, you can't have a church. So their their church was shut down. Their building was confiscated. They weren't allowed to meet in the building anymore. So they started to meet outside on the streets. And they were holding public meetings. And they were being arrested every single week and taken away in paddy wagons. And there was a lot of filming taking place of that. Now, nothing. Now, China has completely shut that down. Shouang Church in Beijing was bigger than Zion Church. They had twice the number of, of attendees. On a given week, they would have like a th- uh, 3,000 members. <coughs> so the, the church in Beijing had about 3,000 members. And what we saw is that um, after they were arrested every day, they ended up, uh, you know, going out and, and doing these services outside. And that now is, is no longer happening. One of the reasons why is because the police ordered 4,500, roughly 4,500 police officers to shadow the members of the Shouwang Church. They appointed more. This is how big of a threat China believes the church is to their nation. That they attached and specifically uh, um, uh, gave a mission to a force of 4,500 police officers to watch over a church of 3,000 members. They had more than one officer for every member of the church. Pastor Jean joined about 400 other pastors around China, including Beijing, and signed a letter speaking out against China's draconian actions against the church, the things that they've done against this group like the Shouwang Church. We've, we've seen this starting to get more, it's starting to escalate inside of China. We're, we're seeing, the reason I mentioned the Shouwang Church is because these are examples that you can Google, you can look them up, but for every Shouwang Church, for every Zion Church, for every China Gospel Fellowship, there's at least a thousand other churches that have gone through the same thing, that didn't get the publicity. So one of the great things about the churches like Shouwang is that they can tell the story. The Zion Church we know about, mainly because the pastor speaks English. He went to Fuller Seminary. Um, he's, he, he knows how to communicate with people in the West. He knows how to get the word out there using social media. But a lot of these other pastors have never spoken a word of English outside of hello in their lives. So for them to tell their story or to even get into an area where they can share it with others, it's, it's, forget about it. It's not happening. Right now, as the number of people that are being persecuted inside of China continues to grow, so does the need for the church. And as the need for the church grows, so does the need for their children. And that's why Back to Jerusalem is starting the Back to Jerusalem Martyr Scholarship Fund. And we pray that many of you that are listening to this podcast right now are moved in some way. And you go online. And you make a difference in one of these children's lives. Children 
of pastors that we know personally at Back to Jerusalem. Children that have had to be shifted around in the middle of the night going from their own bed, being taken to a relative or a church member, smuggled into another house because their mom or dad have either been arrested or the police are chasing them. Children like Brother Yun's children that have to go and live in secret places, bouncing around, cannot go to school because they don't have the ID card that allows them to go to those schools. Children that have suffered because of the gospel message that their parents preach. Children that get an opportunity to better themselves, to get an education, to go to college, to become an influencer of tomorrow in tomorrow's society to become a product of the suffering that their parents went through, a product that can bring the gospel to another generation in a way that can be more meaningful and impactful with an education than without it. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the U.S. God bless. God bless.